All right, we are live on YouTube right now, breaking down this Syracuse-Florida State game, and boy, what a game that was. I don't know where that came from. If Syracuse could have bottled that up for 30 games this year, I think we'd be look, we'd be debating, are they a one-seed or a two-seed right now? But this was an awesome game for Syracuse. We're going to dive into Cole Swider, first of all. He was amazing in this game, so we'll get to him. And there's the burning question, Tim. The elephant in the room, the black cloud on this entire game, Buddy Bayheim delivering a strike to Wyatt Wilkes. We're going to discuss whether or not Buddy Beheim should and will be suspended for tomorrow's game against Duke. And also, everyone joined the party today. Everybody yeah. had a great game today. So we're going to dive into how important that was in this game. All that is coming up next on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And we thank you for joining us today live on our YouTube channel. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And we do fun stuff like this live show here. We love interacting with all of you guys. We see all of you in the chat as well. I see a free buddy comment already. So that's how you know this thing's going to be cooking. We're going to get to Buddy Beheim in a little bit. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And props to anyone who took Syracuse. I believe they closed as a plus one dog when it was all said <laughs> and done. You never had to sweat this one out. That was pretty much wire to wire. You're feeling good. So, how about let's we'll start with Cole Swider? I know people want to hear about Buddy Beheim too. We will get to Buddy Beheim, but well, tons of thoughts on that. For we've sure. got, yeah, we've got it. It, yeah, I'm sure the chat's going to have plenty of thoughts too. So drop your your thoughts in the chats as well. We'll get to all that stuff there. I do want to start with Cole though because he's fantastic once again. 28 points, 13 rebounds. It was like you almost let the rebounds go by the wayside a little bit because the you just saw the point totals. You saw him knocking down three after three. And I think maybe one of the more important statistics in this game is the fact that he did it in 28 minutes. Yeah. Like that is a point a minute right there. He pretty much didn't play the final, what, seven or eight minutes of this game. And rightfully so worked his tail off, got the desired rest. And I think that's the best part about going out and absolutely obliterating a team 96 to 57. I mean, this lead was as big as 41, I believe um, at, at its largest point in the game. That's the beauty of it is you get these guys off their feet and now they get a chance to get a little bit of rest heading into tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he came out in the first half, so I'm assuming he didn't play the last 12 minutes of the game, right? If he played 28 minutes, he may have I'd had have a break here or well. there, but yeah, yeah. I, I believe you're right. He did play all 20 in that first half. I mean, I would hope he didn't come out the way he was playing in the first half. Yeah, there was no right reason now, he to. played all 20. Him, Gerard, and Buddy all played uh, every minute of that first half. Yeah, so. It's kind of interesting that I feel like he sort of topped his performance against UNC. I know UNC was 36 points, but the way that he yeah. was doing it in 28 minutes in this go around, I never would have thought he could have topped UNC and scoring the second most points ever from an opponent in the Dean Dome. But he was terrific, and it now becomes the conversation is sort of like, is he coming back or not next year? Because there's been mixed things on that. <laughs> It'd be great to have him back the way he's playing down the stretch here, but also it feels like, the more he plays well, the more it might convince him, hey, I'm ready for the NBA right now. I'm ready to test my professional career and start it right now because it feels like he's kind of trending in the right direction for sure. But 
he's finally sort of grasping the zone and everything like that. And then he's just he's getting great defensively. In. Yeah, he's great hitting defensively. shots too. Yeah, and he's hitting shots. One thing that I noticed too, which is something I didn't think would be the case against a team like Florida State, especially once I saw they were starting two seven-footers in this game, mm-hmm. was his ability to get a shot off over a smaller defender, which shouldn't be the case most of the time when you're Cole Swire, who this is an advantage he's had most of the season, but going up against the tallest team in the country. But he got some of those mismatches and credit Syracuse for creating some of those mismatches for Coles off of some screening action. And he took advantage. And Joe Girard's another guy who took advantage of some mismatches too, the inverse way though. And that that is ultimately what led to his success in this game and Syracuse getting out in transition and just the ball movement, everything about this game. Like this was a flawless offensive game for Syracuse. And it was pretty damn close to flawless defensively as well. You know, it reminded me of that UNC game in the COVID year outside of the yeah, fact Yeah, I was that, thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah, outside of the fact that the world was ending that night and our minds were a little elsewhere. Besides well, the world sports. might be ending because of what might happen with Buddy Beheim. Right. Like. That, that's a, that's the discussion point after the game this time around. But I remember being at that UNC game, and I was there as like a student radio guy traveling down for the game and all week leading up yeah. to the game. UNC played the night before on Tuesday. So a little bit different, but they just crushed whoever they played the night before. And they were playing well at the and end of the, the season, The whole conversation too. was UNC's the bid stealer. UNC's hot. They're playing well. And Syracuse has lost to UNC every single time they played them and all that stuff. And it just made no sense that Syracuse went out and blasted UNC and punched him in the face and ran away and won by 30 or 40 points. And now this game didn't really make much sense either. Like, before the game, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this might be it for the season. I just didn't have good vibes going in, which shows you that you don't really know what you're going to get from Syracuse. But we discussed it on the preview show. We said, I think this is going to be a close game for sure. And mm-hmm. we could not have been more wrong about that. I mean, this it was, was never close. But a close game. It is amazing how quickly the game was just out of hand. It, it was like the UNC game in that regard. I'm not surprised Syracuse won. And I think you would probably say the same. You're not necessarily surprised Syracuse won. But I would have never guessed this thing would have gotten over 15 either way. I mean, they won by 39 points. That's like and their largest to be honest, power conference opponent in recent memory. It's got to be. It felt like they won by more. Yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> it really did. Right. I mean, you're bringing walk-ons in with five minutes to go in the game. It, it, was, it was an all-around performance. We'll get to some of the other guys. But a couple of places where this game was won for Syracuse. I think it's really important to look at the fast break points in this game. Just how many times Syracuse got out in transition because you knew Florida State was going to collapse on the glass, try to get some offensive rebounds, and then they got quick outlet passes as a result. Syracuse did a really good job rebounding the basketball in this game. I mean, Frank Anselm, 15 rebounds in this game. Cole Swider, 13 rebounds in this game. Jimmy Beheim did a nice job in the early stages before he got into a little bit of foul trouble. They were securing some rebounds. They were playing physical. It helped to have a guy like Samir Torrance out there to push the pace as well. Joe Girard, I thought, did a really good job of getting out in transition and leading to some of these breakout opportunities. And they just found guys. They found Swider. They found Beheim. They found Joe Girard. And then there were some offensive rebounds, too, where there were kickouts off of that. Just getting out in transition, 33 fast break points. They had 20 in the first half. I mean, that's where the game was won for me. Yeah, Florida State's transition D was terrible. But to back up what you're saying a little bit on the rebounds, first off, I've just seen this now. Frank Anselm had nine offensive rebounds in this game. That is a staggering number. This was his best game of his career. 
Yeah, 31 minutes, four for seven from the floor. I guess some of those were kind of late stages, but three personal fouls in 31 minutes. That's a good thing for Frank. He had four, four assists. assists as well. And those weren't yeah. cheap assists. Those were, he got the board and then went back out with it. Exactly. He did that and he did a nice job of not only getting the rebound, but making sure that he quickly sort of got it away from the defender and was controlling like good security of the basketball after getting the rebound as well. He played with a certain physicalness that the team has lacked at times and he's lacked at times throughout the season. But the other thing that's interesting, 52 to 35 Syracuse wins the rebounding battle. I mean, what were the live betonline.net odds at the under 16 timeout at the first break, the game was pretty even. And you look down at the stats and Florida state had shot the ball like seven or eight more times than Syracuse, just because they were dominant on the glass to start out. And I was thinking, man, it's going to be one of those games where rebounding is a factor and rebounding is our Achilles heel. And that's why Syracuse loses. And then they dominate the boards at the end of the game, which some of those numbers probably got a little skewed when Florida state pretty much gave up, but still that is a quite a turnaround rebounding wise. And I think part of the reason why Florida State didn't get the rebounds that maybe they were expecting, too, is Syracuse made a lot of shots. Yeah, You, you can't rebound made shots, all right? It's the, the one shot in basketball you can't rebound. So, uh, yeah, Syracuse, credit what they did on the, on the boards, credit what they did getting out in transition. This was a great game plan, and I think this was probably – Jim Beheim's best coached game of the season. When you look at what he did, moving Saimir down to the wing, I thought that made a difference in this game. Just getting a lot of Saimir run out there and then getting out and forcing the issue in transition. I, I was really, really, really impressed with how they navigated this entire thing. All right. Burning questions up next. Buddy Beheim suspension. Is it going to happen? We'll tell you, will he be? We'll tell you, should he be? That's coming up in just a little bit, but man, do I love March Madness and I love brackets, but can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money on them. So this time I'm hedging my bets with Stat Hero's NCAA Pick'em Contest. NCAA single game pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It's time to take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often why because stat hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against so right now go to their website stathero.com and use the promo code locked on stathero.com slash locked on use the promo code locked on and sign up for free right now for a 100 deposit match that's stathero.com slash locked on use the promo code locked on for a 100 match stathero.com slash locked on promo code Locked on, terms and conditions apply. Also, we thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every single day. And be sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown March 14th right here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. All right. Here we go. Everyone in the chat. I need you to, to be calm, remain calm, stay calm, all right? We're going to try to address this as best we can, okay? Be calmer than Buddy remained, I guess, when he got pushed yeah. in the back a couple of times. Yeah. All right. So where do you stand on this? I, obviously, I think it's pretty black and white. He threw a punch. He clearly punches Wyatt Wilkes. There's Don't no tell Jim doubt Beheim about that, that. But yes, I agree. He clearly punches him. And I think that's a black and white issue right there. I think you punch a guy. 
I don't care what he did to you beforehand. You punch a guy, that's a suspension. Where, right. where do you lean on that? Yeah, I mean, the whole logic of Boeheim postgame saying, you know, he pushed him in the back a couple times and then he turned around and got him, but I was okay with it because he pushed him in the back. I think that's kind of outrageous to assume that Buddy is just okay to do it, like two wrongs make a right type of discussion there. Right. He punched him, and I think not knowing anything, but I'm assuming Buddy turned around, did it, and did it a lot harder than he intended to do. And then once he mm -hmm. sees Wyatt Wilkes sort of curled over on the ground, he probably had some remorse about it. He's not a dirty player, but I do think he probably should be suspended. I think you have to look at this in a lens of, okay, let's try and reverse the roles. If Wyatt Wilkes punched Buddy, would the Syracuse faithful be calling for a suspension? I think I would be. I think 100%. it's tough because I totally understand that Buddy is about the nicest kid ever imaginable and probably the furthest thing from a dirty player from what we've seen so far. But also, you got to set a precedent. Like, if you throw a punch, and I know it's not a like real punch, but he, he sucker punched him in the middle of yeah. the game. And there's been no punishment so far so i feel like that maybe even increases the chances of it happening here yeah and again this is going to be something handed down by the acc i look at it as i think two things can be true here right because i feel like the people who are calling for buddy Beheim to be suspended the the people that are against that notion think that this is an assault on buddy Beheim's character i think two things can be true here should he be suspended for punching a guy? Yes. Is he a good kid? Yes. I think both can be true. I mean, this is the first instance. I've seen a number of people also go out on the Grayson Allen thing and, and liken it to that. This is far from a Grayson Allen incident here, okay? Because Grayson Allen, the reason why people hate him and think he's a dirty player is because he's a repeat offender. That's why this is a big, that's why it's always a big deal with Grayson Allen. With Buddy Beheim. This is the first flare-up we've seen in four years. Like, this is could not be further from the Buddy Beheim character that we know. But a, a good kid did a bad thing. And for that reason alone, I, like, it's a suspension in my eyes. He punched a guy. There's no way around it. Good people do bad things every once in a while, and you still got to get punished for it. Yeah, it is going to be interesting because he didn't get a foul during the game. So I don't know if there's ever been a situation where someone was suspended and they didn't get anything during the game for it at all. Like earlier this year, the Clemson player who ran into Wendell Moore when he was trying to go up for a dunk, there was a flagrant foul. Then he got the, mm -hmm. I believe a one game suspension yeah. after the fact, the conversation of, do I think he will be suspended? I think it's probably like 50, 50. I don't have a real yeah. read on that, but it's interesting because the reason why we're having the conversation is so much because of the social media era and how now you can play the video, you know, in slow motion after mm -hmm. the fact. And I think it does make it look worse when it's in slow motion. But at the end of the day, like I said, if the roles were reversed and it was a Florida state player, I think I'd be calling for that player to be suspended. So as much as I still don't think this means anything about buddy Beheim's character, I think you probably have to suspend them, which uh, is a yeah. whole nother. I mean, if they do suspend them, Syracuse probably has no shot tomorrow. Right. And even with Buddy Beheim, Syracuse has a very small chance against Duke. But I mean, you look at it and I get, listen, I, 
some people are coming after Jim Beheim in the post game and, and some of the things that he said. He obviously stands up for Buddy, not just as his son, but as his player. And I get that. Like, you're supposed to do that as a coach. You're supposed to stand up for your guys, especially in the heat of the moment. I get it. All right. I'm not upset at Jim Beheim. He's going to do that because he knows if he says, oh, yeah, Buddy should be suspended. Well, then you make things a little bit easier on the ACC to suspend him. I mean, Syracuse can go out and go on a little run here, and who knows, maybe he's in the NCAA tournament, or at a minimum, maybe you can preserve your streak of being above, or at 500 or better as a, as a head coach, too. So I just look at it as this is a very black and white thing. He punched a guy, and because of that, that's a suspension. I don't care where it is, who it is. I mean, Jawan Howard threw a punch too, or call it whatever the hell yeah, you want. It's different than that, but I see what you're saying. I, I don't see how it's different though. In turn, like I get the, the situation was different. One's a handshake line. One's a, in the field of combat too, but punch is a punch, man. And, and throwing a strike at someone is throwing a strike at someone. I think in this scenario though, buddy's in the heat of the game. Right. And you can make an argument that there's a lot of pushing and shoving that goes on in a game. Normally in the Joan Howard scenario, it was like, hold me back, hold me back. No, I'm still going to punch him. And that was like a, an actual, like he throws a punch, but he's like, maybe he's thinking he's just trying to like give him a little jab as he runs back up the court. And like I said, I think he just did it a lot harder than he thought. And it got some, I mean, he gets him right in the gut. Like anytime you get hit in that area, you're probably going to kill over and it's, it's going right. to hurt a little harder than maybe the person who does it would think. So Buddy Beheim just released a statement and hat tip to my roommate, Danny, who is currently listening to me record this right now. <laughs> so Buddy Beheim just released this statement. He said, in the heat of today's game, after some shoving in the lane, I swung my arm while turning to go back up court. It was wrong to act out in frustration. I apologized to Wyatt Wilkes multiple times in the handshake line. He said not to worry about it, but I know it was wrong. I pride myself in respecting the game and our opponent. I will not react that way again. The way I gleaned from that, it was intentional. And again, it's the frustration. It's the heat of the moment. It, I don't think your true character flares up in a moment like that. But well, the I way that he says, intentional, I was wrong. It's to a tough way to phrase it. Like when you say intentional, do you think he actually thought, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm going to like punch him or do you well, think again, he it's just the ran heat of the moment it's not like an inadvertent he didn't inadvertently try to hit him that way no right yeah, okay. like I it, it wasn't that. like a yeah. basketball play but he he made the the action it was like your your judgment can be cloudy in a moment of frustration obviously right and his judgment was cloudy in that moment of frustration and because of clouded judgment it led him to swing the arm that way that he did and Listen, I don't know if this statement is going to help his case at all. If anything, I would guess it probably hurts him a little bit from a suspension standpoint. But, uh, yeah, so that's what Buddy Beheim had to say after after the game. I don't know if it hurts him. I don't know if it really does much. He was joking with Wyatt Wilkes, though. I was going to bring that up after the yeah, fact. Yeah, after the so game. That's one thing he has going for him is if the ACC reaches out to Wyatt Wilkes, I don't think Wyatt Wilkes is going to bash Buddy Beheim for the moment. They clearly were laughing about it. Also, Leonard Hamilton post game. shout out to our guy, Anthony Nabundo. He tweeted out the quote, talking about, I'll paraphrase this quote a little bit, how Buddy is one of the nicest kids in the ACC and kind of we're just going to move on from that. And, you know, you do stuff in the heat of a game that maybe you regret. Right. I. I really don't think anyone's going to view Buddy differently in the league. No, or... unless he does it again. 
if yeah, you were to he do something again, again yeah. then this becomes a thing. But if for a first time offender, I'm not I'm not going to punish someone's character as a result of that. Right. But I do think they have to probably do something about it because you can't just give no punishment for something like that. And there was no punishment in the game, which I guess you could argue. All right. If they didn't acknowledge it during the game, can you really go back after the fact and review it? But the way that social media is talking, the way that, you know, Seth Greenberg is saying he should be yeah. suspended after the game in studio. The consensus feels like outside of Syracuse, outside of Syracuse. Feel like he should yeah. be suspended. Yeah. The people, the people with the orange tinted glasses will tell you that. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter say, it doesn't even look like he connected. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? I mean, here? did he sell it a little maybe, but like I said, when you get hit in that area, I don't know it, when you, it's, yeah, it's probably going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see. This is kind of what we're on standby with right now. Will buddy be available against Duke? What's your gut telling you? No, no uh, pun intended, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, here, I'll give I you a little jab and tell me what your guts tell. Right. Me. I think it's 50 50, but at this point, maybe if we haven't heard anything yet, I would lean towards he doesn't get suspended. I don't know. It's it's such a funny thing because Syracuse won the game by 39 points, but I think even more surprising than the outcome of the game is the fact that of all players, we're talking about Buddy yeah. Beheim right now as the guilty party, basically. And, you know, someone texted me when it first happened and they were like, wow, Buddy should be suspended for that. And my reaction was, haha, it's it's probably like a joke. Like he did something little. And then you actually see the play, and you know, it's it doesn't look good. It's definitely something that Buddy probably regrets. So yeah. I'm about 50-50. I don't know about you on if they will actually do it or not. I think if this was a regular season game, he's a thousand percent getting suspended. But because it's the ACC tournament, it's the potential for Syracuse Duke, the league may look at it a little bit differently. And that's going to be the the interesting thing to see. But my gut tells me I'm with like it's 50 50 for me. I, it really is. My yeah. gut initially said yes, but I'm starting to come around on the no camp. He won't be suspended. Mike Waters just tweeted. I'm told the ACC officials are still reviewing the play in the situation. He also said I spoke with ESPN's Jay Billis briefly here at the ACC tournament. He doesn't think the conference should spend Buddy Beheim. Billis was on the call, right? Uh, I, I yes, it was Billis and stuff. yeah, it was Billis and Shulman. Yes. On the call. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I thought Billis would be the one that says he should be suspended. Cause the, he's so kind tough of the, yeah. because if it was Grayson Allen, oh my gosh, you, you don't even think twice right. about it. You suspend it. Or if it's someone with a history, then it's a yeah. different story, but I don't know. I mean, you think of little moments that have caused suspensions in the past, like even Alan Griffin, when he was at Illinois, had a moment where he kind of stepped on a player and it was just heat of the moment probably, yeah. but he, he was suspended, suspended for it. Yeah. yeah. And your point's probably true about the regular season postseason thing. I don't know if, if you're a Syracuse fan, if you find out tonight that buddy is not playing, maybe you don't make the trip to Brooklyn or maybe you're less likely to make that trip. And I think you're still going right. Like it's Syracuse playing in New York city. I feel like, whether Buddy's out there or not, you're probably still going. And it's it's Duke too. Like it's Syracuse Duke in New York City. I feel like Buddy Bayheim's presence isn't necessarily going to influence your attendance. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I mean, if I was up in the air about going, I think it might because to me, if you want to play the percentages game, like maybe they had a ten percent chance of beating Duke. Now it goes down to like two or three percent, in my opinion, if that, because. Yeah. 
Buddy, we've talked about, I think he is the team MVP as much mm -hmm. as agree. And if he's not, Jesse probably is. So now you're down the two team MVPs and you're going up against a team that is beating you by for all intents and purposes, 30 points each time. A couple questions and comments I want to get to that are in the chat right now. One's coming from Ethan. He says, can you find a college player? The answer is no, you cannot find a college player just because there's no income per se. Like it's not a, a a stringent income you there's no defined amount of money that each of these players is making and again buddy's probably i would guess making the most from nil on syracuse but that doesn't matter because there are other players that are making next right. to nothing so you can't find them that way um and then the other thing is, is this is coming from michael antonio he says georgetown players were far more brutal than this in the big east days with no punishments i mean we're not in the archaic days of basketball, all right? We, we've come to realize that certain things were stupid and should not be allowed on a basketball court, and it's called the evolution of the game. It's called getting smarter, and it's called yeah. not letting people get away with punching people on a basketball court. I think it's the closed fist aspect that makes it yeah. inarguably a punch. Like, if Buddy Beheim sort of gave Wyatt Wilkes a shove like he did to him, and then a little altercation comes about, you know, that's just basketball, right? But right. that's not a typical basketball move. You don't turn around and sucker punch someone usually, unless maybe you're playing at the YMCA or something and it's your buddy that you have a, you know, but if you're in the middle of an ACC tournament game on live TV, you really don't see that type of play that much. And I get that argument that maybe back in the day, this stuff happened more, or, you know, it's, something that might happen and it doesn't get seen sometimes, but this one got seen and this one can't really be like the precedent has to be a punishment here. I think if you're right. the ACC, I also think too, I mean, there's other ways to combat this. If you were buddy Bayheim in the heat of the moment too, like we've talked about this, this team complains more than anybody in the ACC. Yeah. Like they're in the ear of the official after. Well, every who do you play. think? They get that from right, exactly. The dad, yeah, but <laughs> a little bit. Isn't that something that you would want? Like, isn't that something that you do first before you get into for us? Like, for a team that complains as much as it does, I'm surprised that wasn't the first course of action. Or, all right, we're gonna draw. Like, hey, he's been bumping me all game long. Keep an eye out for that. I, I would imagine to. I would imagine that would be something that um, would have happened first, which is why it makes this even more shocking. Like. Syracuse is a team that it feels like fights these physical battles with words, not retaliations. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really torn on this one. I mean, I, I think he should be suspended, but I'll be very interested to see if there's a response of any sort here or a message from the league. Like if they don't suspend him, will they come out and say, after reviewing it, we've determined no suspension or will they just not say anything? I would, I guess think probably... that I would think we'll get a ruling either way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they are reviewing it. So, yeah. so, so I guess that would follow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We will get into some of the other aspects of this game because Samir was great. Joe was great. Frank Anselm was fantastic. What made it all click? We'll discuss that in just a little bit. But March Madness less than a week away now. And that means you need to start thinking about where you're going to run your brackets. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're going to use runyourpool.com along with standard brackets. Run your pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks 
analytics, all stuff you're not going to find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help make some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain new customers as well. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, that's what we're using to run our brackets this season. There's no truer test than that. And if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter the code pure madness. That's pure madness. All one word at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and, a de- and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. All right. Well, the conference tournaments are here. And if you're like us, you're probably betting on the conference tournaments and you should be doing that at betonline.net. It's basically that time of year again, where from now until March Madness, there's tons of great player props, contests, tons of the latest odds on the betonline.net site. It is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports, sporting wagering information, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games are over at betonline.net as well. So maybe if you want to lay on Syracuse tomorrow, I don't know if they maybe wait until the budding news and, and see if the number <laughs> is impacted by that. But head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at betonline.net where the game starts. All right. One more question that I see in the chat. This is coming from Nate Casey that I want to address too before we get into some of the other performances that we saw in this game. He asks, would a first half suspension be on the table or is it an all or nothing? It is all or nothing. It is. Yeah. It's, this isn't football where you can get the targeting and either you get the uh, just the one half suspension for the next game. No, that's not, that's not something that exists. So Buddy would either have to sit out the entirety of the game. However... One thing that Syracuse could do that maybe quells this a little bit, Syracuse could throw out a self-imposed one-half suspension, I but I don't think that's something that's going to yeah. happen. Oh. All right. That would be a sudden change of heart from yeah. the head a coach sudden, and father. Yeah. yeah, a sudden change in, in morals maybe too. Do you think, real quick, before we get into the other mm-hmm. stuff, I know we've gone long on this, but do you think Beheim's comments hurt the chances of him not being suspended? Because – do you I think Jim's like, or buddies? Uh, Jim's, not buddies tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim coming post game and saying stuff like he pushed him in the back. It was it in burden. And then he, no. he sort of like changed his I don't mind think... later in the press conference. I just yeah. didn't think those comments were great. Yeah. I didn't listen. I don't think the comments were great, but I don't think it's going to have an impact yeah. on the decision. I, if anything, I would say buddy's statement after where he pretty much admits to doing it on purpose um, would, would have more of an impact than Jim, who was a probably didn't even see it in real time either. Like, yeah, that was very tough to see in real time, too. Right. So I think that, yeah, I don't think that would uh, have any sort of impact. All right. Let's get into some of the other performances that we saw here, because anyone that touched the floor today, in my opinion, made an impact in this game being what it was. The absolute beatdown of Florida State. Um, I think we have to start with Samir Torrance because. What he did off the bench was absolutely beautiful. I mean, he was everywhere in this game making plays on both sides of the ball. Let's start with what he did defensively in this game because Jim Beheim pushed him back to the forward spot on the zone while he had Barama Sadibe out there. And I think the initial reasoning for that would have been, and I don't think he was asked about it post game, 
But the initial reason for it was because Barama is a lot more limited mobility wise back there than Frank or Jesse have been. So what do you do? You kind of counter that by having someone that's a little more mobile in that forward area of the zone. And it worked. I mean, Samir was getting out contesting shots. He, there was one point when he, one of the first few possessions that he was in on the back line where he cut off a baseline drive. I mean, he was great back there. And I don't want to get into the what if game of what if we maybe saw this more throughout the season, but for what it is right now, that was, I was very impressed with how he navigated that back end of the zone. Yeah, that was a shocking wrinkle. It was sort of weird to see it at first because it's got to be the smallest player to ever play that wing forward position yeah. that did three zone. He's only 6'2". And then also you see Buddy up top who is maybe three or four inches taller than him. So it just is sort of funny that they didn't do Buddy in the forward spot, which I think they did at first. And we've seen that throughout the season. And I don't know. I mean, it, it worked great. I think... Credit to Jim Beheim for going to it. I just found it very fascinating that, especially Saimir coming off injury, I know he had a couple good practices, he said, right before this game, but it's not like they said, all right, we've got a week with Saimir here. He's totally healthy. We feel good about him. Let's use him in the forward spot, and let's have a couple practices of trying him there. So I'd be interested to know, has Saimir played there in practice five times, 20 times, 50 times this year? Or was mm -hmm. that just like, hey, you know, we're going to try this in the game. You're playing well. We want to keep you out there. And I think this will work. And it ended up working. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Syracuse defensively today. This was the best defensive performance they've had the last two years, I think. It was unbelievable what they did. Samir was a big catalyst of that. He was also great facilitating the basketball. Had a career-high nine assists. Also pitched in nine points as well. Did not miss That's a shot a career in this high game. career-high, too. At least tied is, is the nine points. Yeah, I mean, this was a great all-around performance from everybody. And Samir, the way he steadied the offense, the way that when Florida State went to a press at times, I never felt shell-shocked at all while Samir was out there. He just felt confident he could get the ball up the floor. And he set up open teammates. I mean, he was great all game long. And the way that he set up his teammates, the way that he got others involved and really – the guy that's the biggest beneficiary of Samir being out there in a three-guard lineup is Joe Girard. He gets to work mm -hmm. off the ball, and he gets to catch and shoot. He gets to catch pump, get the flyby guy to go by, and then put up a three. I mean, Joe played well in this game, and I think a large part is because Samir played as well as he did. Yeah, I'm excited about Samir next year. And I, I know we too. talked about how Cole is playing great too, but it feels like Torrance you would have thought maybe the injury would sort of set back momentum. I think there was one stretch where he was really coming on. Then he missed some time. I think in that Pittsburgh window when Gerard had a bad game and I think it was actually Duke. It was his first game back and he didn't play great. No one played great against Duke, but it felt like he sort of stalled momentum. So I was worried that maybe he wouldn't be his best self today, just based on the situation leading up to it. But, gosh, he's really improved offensively. He had a couple of nice Around plays. Around the Even rim. The, the shot that he made, and it didn't count at the end of the half, was just a play that he was not yeah. making at the start of the year. He right. has really progressed offensively, and I guess the coaching staff deserves some credit for that as well. But going into next year, I think there's real reason to believe that we could see Saimir and Joe as your starting guards at the start of next season. And – for a while, I mean, I guess you get into, will Judah Mintz come? Will Sky Clark maybe be a commit mm -hmm. or a transfer portal? We don't know about that. But as it stands right now, I would expect those two to be starting. And I think they're starting to realize that 
Saimir is a point guard. We need a point guard out there. And Joe Girard's better as a two guard, which it's about time they've realized that. I think the entire fan <laughs> yeah. base has been realizing that for a while, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other topic. Right. Uh, real quick, we should get to Frank Anselm, too. He's got nine points, 15 rebounds in this game, four assists, three blocks, a steal, 31 minutes, all of it coming off the bench. Plus minus isn't my favorite statistic of all time, but he's hmm. plus 33 in this game. I mean, wow. the things he did defensively, forget the blocks and steals, too. He was altering shots. He was getting tough rebounds. And on the offensive end, he was giving Florida State uh, a taste of their own medicine, really. And these are the sort of performances where if you were getting them against UNC, against Notre Dame, against um, Miami, if you were getting these out of Frank in those games, maybe you go two and two in that stretch there. And maybe you're talking a little bit differently about this team. But I, it's it's too little too late in all likelihood. But he's going to have to play that way to, uh, tomorrow against Mark yeah. Williams. If he does that, if you can limit Mark Williams, you give yourself a chance, but he's been the guy that has absolutely destructed this team in the two prior meetings. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of fascinating how these Syracuse teams come together at the end of the season. Someone had a good tweet. I'll try and find it here as I'm talking, but there was a tweet that now in the last seven seasons, it was Lucas Harkin. Oh, the the stat. Yeah. Yeah. The the stat in the last seven seasons after the win today is Syracuse has a better record in postseason games, 60 win percentage than regular season games, 58.4 win percentage over the last seven years. Which is crazy because they didn't win an ACC tournament game until 2018. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, but also they didn't lose one in 2020, I guess, too, because they didn't play that second game. Yeah. I think going back to how there's similarities to how I felt about that UNC game and the game today, this is almost in a weird way, kind of like if we got to see that COVID season played out, because the next game on the schedule that day was Louisville, a team that beat Syracuse by 30 that year. Mm-hmm. And was Jordan War a Louisville, a pretty good team. I think they were the three seed, not as good as Duke, but there was a lot of chatter after that season that the way they were playing, they would have beat Louisville. Well, hopefully Buddy is not suspended because then the chatter will change from if they had Buddy, maybe they could have beat Duke. And also you could throw in if Jesse, if you want to continue the what-ifs. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be fascinating to actually see them play that second game after that was robbed of them. Uh, a couple yeah. of years ago in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Anyone else you want to highlight? I mean, I thought Sadibe, even though he had limited minutes in this game, he started, had eight minutes, but got into foul trouble. I, yeah. I still thought he was relatively effective in his limited time out there. And then Jimmy Bayheim, I mean, the buddy to Jimmy Alley-oop, and then the, the buddy cool. dime to to Jimmy on, on the Tomahawk slam. I mean, that was awesome. That That's like the stuff they drew up in the basement gym all these years. Yeah, it almost felt like cathartic for them that even like yeah. Patty Casey's out there making shots. It's just such a big celebration. And one thing that I think does increase their chances a little bit against Duke, which are still slim. And you hit on this when you were tweeting for us that Cole Swider didn't play the last 12 minutes of the game. So the yeah. whole conversation of four games in four days, can they do it with the short bench they have? At least they didn't have to go into overtime or, or play really hard, but uh, I mean, they've won games after playing in six overtimes and stuff like that in, in these type of tournaments. So right. how much you believe in that is a different conversation, but I think it is worth noting that 
it caught up to them in that battle for Atlantis tournament against Auburn. And it's nice that maybe they are on a little bit more rest going into this matchup against Duke. Right. Nobody played more than 33 minutes in this game. That's big. Yeah. It's really big for you. Got to be the first it. time all year. That's yeah, happening. I, I would imagine. Usually I have yeah. six guys or five guys playing that many minutes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Any last thoughts? Any, uh, real quick, Duke thought. All right. Well, what mm -hmm. do you think for tomorrow? Is it going to be ugly again? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think especially if Buddy's not there, I don't know. Duke is coming off the loss against UNC, so it feels like they're not going to have any sort of letdown or not be ready to mm -hmm. go. It's tough because I think Duke is a lot better than Syracuse, but then I also just understand that Duke is a terrible matchup for Syracuse as well. So it's hard for me to really see them winning, but I had Florida State winning today, and I did not see them playing like this today. And I do think this was a performance that if it wasn't Duke in the second game, then maybe we're having a different conversation of like how far can they take this thing. And I will yeah. say, if they beat Duke tomorrow – I mean, it's not like they, okay, just give them the, the ACC question, title. But yeah. all of a sudden, like, it's real. that Like, this is kind of like the championship game tomorrow for them because I know it's four and four days for a limited bench, and you still have to beat a couple good teams down the stretch. But it feels like if they get over this hurdle, then they should be just as good as everyone else in the conference the rest of the way. Wouldn't that be something? Like, I can already hear the bitching and moaning of if Buddy doesn't get suspended – they right. go out and beat Duke. They win the ACC, and all the bubble teams are pointing to that's BS. Why didn't Buddy get suspended for a game like that? That's tomorrow's headlines today uh, with Jason. Well, McIntyre it's also just going right to be there. a a total uh, fu hater tour from Jim Beheim <laughs> in the post game so after it that. Counteracts, yeah, yeah. Um, no. yeah, no, I, I think again, I, I'm kind of with you. Like tomorrow is the championship game for this right. team i mean they're zero and nine in quad one opportunities this season they have a chance to pick off their first and i don't think it's going to be as ugly as the last couple duke games like that were 25 30 point games doesn't mean they're not going to lose by double digits i don't think but i think they'll be a little more competitive now should be a good orange crowd on hand too yeah. should have more of a home game sort of feel to it but i i, I obviously think duke's gonna win but I don't think it's going to be nearly as ugly as the others, especially if they play the way that they played today, they have a chance because right. that that's as good of a, a game as you can play out there. Yeah. I mean, the question is, I'd be interested to see like the shot quality after this game and maybe I'll look at it, but you know, Florida state two for 25 from three, that's the second time this yeah. year Syracuse has beat Florida state after doing that to them. Basically it was four for 30 in Tallahassee mm -hmm. is that, okay. You put Simir at the forward and they're really figuring things out. Or is it just Florida State had an off game and they kind of gave up in the second half? I think it's maybe a, somewhere in the middle there, but Duke's not going to go two for 25 from three. So they're going to need to play probably even better tomorrow, which I don't even know if they're capable of that the way they played yeah. today. It was a flawless game. Yeah. All right. We will be back with all things Duke if they win. If they win, we will have a full recap. We'll probably do the same deal. A little live show for you here. Yep. Um, and then we will also recap the game. If they lose, it'll probably come a little bit later on, but it won't be as instantaneous. And we'll kind of recap what the season was too, because that'll be the end mm -hmm. of the season in all likelihood, because I don't think Syracuse would accept an NIT invitation. Um, but yeah, we, we'll just kind of wait and see after that. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will be back hopefully tomorrow talking all things Duke.